Hey everyone, special episode of B2B Better this week. My good friend Josh Krakauer and I sat down to talk uh, social selling in B2B on a LinkedIn Live. Uh, Some of the insights that he shared were fantastic. Uh, So good, in fact, I just had to take the audio and throw it up as an episode of B2B Better. I highly recommend following him on social media. That's Josh Krakauer. He's the CEO of Sculpt and actually a former B2B uh, Better guest. I had him on about a year ago to talk about Clubhouse. Um, But yeah, here it is. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, everyone. Welcome to B2B Better, the podcast that helps companies rethink the status quo on how they win new business. My name is Jason Bradwell, and I help B2B companies refocus their marketing towards generating revenue. Every week on this show, I sit down with experts to understand how marketing and sales is broken in their industry and what they're doing to fix it. Here we go. Here we are. Um, I don't know if we are technically live yet or not, because I'm looking at the stream on my other computer, and it says we're five seconds in. Four, three, two, one. So let's assume we're live now. Um, Hey, everybody. Uh, It's good to see you all and have you all here um, for the very first edition of a live webinar series called Breaking B2B. Um, we're going to riff for 60 seconds or so to allow people to get into the room. Um, uh, but before we, uh, before we get started, I just want to introduce my really good friend, uh, Josh, um, the CEO of Sculpt Social. Uh, he and I have known each other for a super long time. Last time we chatted, Josh, I would say that the conversation itself went really, really well. Um, but some of the predictions we made weren't too hot. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I wouldn't say it was off. Wait, hold on. Let me get in a character first. Let me see if. Okay, now now I think we're about oh, good. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I won't, I won't do that. <laughs> there can only be one. Last year, actually, it was probably almost you know 11 months ago or so. We chatted about Clubhouse for you know a full hour and about at the time it was breaking the way that AI copywriting and the way that Chat GTP is breaking right now. And I feel like. At, as a result, the entire conversation in the social media landscape was about how this will transform our 2022 programs. And I would say we were skeptical. We were honest. And neither of us were pros. But luckily, we didn't invest too much time, I think, in the platform because it had such a rapid decline. I wouldn't say it's completely out of the picture there it's been an evolution today there's linkedin audio events there's you know every version built into platforms and maybe some of what we talked about is still going to live on i i i would hope so um i think i went a little bit more heavy on my belief that clubhouse was going to take over the world because shortly after we did our recording and published it i wrote quite a long piece on, on my newsletter and my blog about how you know uh, b2b companies could uh could utilize the tool to connect with their connect with their buyers but like you say i think the concept itself is is strong the idea of uh of live connections live audio connections between buyers and brands but um yeah clubhouse not so hot r.i.p Why don't, r.i.p exactly um tell us a little bit about yourself josh who are you and what do you do good well i am josh Krakauer, the ceo of sculpt and as a company, we're 100% focused on paid organic and influencer social media marketing for B2B brands. And that means strategy, content campaigns, we're, we're supporting 
B2B companies with. So we work inside of their organizations. We've worked with the sales, executive, marketing, demand team, and have seen the impact uh, of social selling, our topic today, within those organizations. So excited to chat specifically about that. But, you know, my background, social for the last decade or so, and have uh, gone through quite a journey. Absolutely. Well, I think uh, I think we're going to have a great chat today about the subject which you said is social selling. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jason Bradwell. Um, I uh, run a strategic marketing advisory firm called B2B Better that helps B2B solution providers reorient their uh, marketing towards revenue. I also got a podcast of the same name, um, which I've been running for uh, the best part of three years now, and a newsletter called B2B Byte, which are all designed to help uh, B2B marketers do better marketing. Um, today we're here to talk about, as Josh has said, social selling. Um, we plan to use up the full hour uh, if, if we can. If you've got any questions on anything that you hear us talk about or anything that you came prepared with that you want to know about social selling, um, do drop them in the comments. I think, Josh, you would agree with me that uh, you, you and I by no means are um, the uh, absolute authorities on the concept of social selling, but you being on the agency side, me working for a decade in-house at B2B enterprise companies, we've seen our fair share of social sellings. Uh, techniques and best practices um, that we should be able to have a good a good chat today. That's right. I think that's the goal. And ultimately, you know, I come in as a, an observer, having watched many organizations of many many sizes, from you know large enterprise with their respective sales structure to you know early stage companies going to market, uh, you know, after raising capital, seeing the things that have worked for them and what we've advised those organizations, but I've never worked inside of the actual sales team. And I'll admit that first and foremost. So all my recommendations also come from a perspective, I think of the kind of people we're talking to, which often are the marketers trying to educate and empower their own teams to do this well. And so I've seen some things that have worked there that could be helpful. Why don't you kick us off, Josh, by giving us your definition of, of social selling? What is it? And I guess importantly, what is it not? <laughs> I don't know. Google says it's, you know, using social media to attract prospects, build relationships, win deals. I think that's probably correct. Social selling is kind of whatever it needs to be in some organizations that also includes executive social communication. It also um, includes work that they're doing from the, the corporate side. Often it includes the training of your sales team, but really at its, you know, at the pure level, it's using social media. And we're going to talk about it from that side of social selling. I'm sure there's social selling that encompasses more than just social media, but using social media to build those relationships and to, I think, for the perspective today, be a sales leader or a sales individual, sales professional using these channels to do their work effectively. I think I think that's absolutely right, and um, uh, I think it's important to to draw a distinction on, on what it's not, which it's not using social media to run cold outbound programs, right? This is not about just shifting your cold calling, your cold emailing to cold DMing on LinkedIn, or you know, trying to get into people's Twitter DMs um, to to pitch them a product. It's really about building that trust, building that credibility, establishing relationships with your prospective buyers um, and and holding back 
on that that pitch of your company's products or services until the customer indicates to you either you know directly or indirectly that you know we've got our hand up now we're looking for the kind of solution that that you say that you can offer and that takes a lot of discipline and restraint i think because you know sales people by definition um are, are hungry you know they've, they've got targets they've got to hit they've got commission they want to earn and that only happens if they're winning deals um and the idea of playing the long game you know engaging with prospects on social media building those relationships delivering value um and not really getting anything in in return at least immediately can be a learning curve you know for, for certain professionals to get 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 their head around so yeah i think when we're talking about social selling you know it's important to it's important to define here we're not talking about cold outbound on linkedin uh, we're talking about building relationships wouldn't you say would you say that the cold outbound piece and maybe the cold pieces i think what really trips people up but the actual outreach component i would consider that one of the tenets of social selling but maybe not in the way that we are used to seeing it in that the actual communication one-to-one is super, super important to this, right? Social is that inherently that interaction piece. So there is a one-to-one communication component of this, but certainly just the the spray and pray mass outreach uh, without any targeting and without any intention that is not effective social selling at least. Yeah, I would agree. I think the outreach part is really important. You know, that still exists. It's the cold part that you're dropping, you know, because if you're doing that one-to-one outreach, that one-to-one connection with the prospective buyer through a social selling program, you know, it's based on the assumption that you've put in some work and some time up front to try and build a relationship, to try and deliver value to that individual, you know, before you try and sell them something or before you send out that connection request. Um, Why... Why do you think companies, B2B companies specifically, should be engaging in social selling practices, Josh? You know, what's in it for them over doing something like a traditional cold calling, cold emailing uh, playbook? I mean, I I wouldn't say they don't do that too. Generally, what you see is it's another tool in the toolbox. That's one way to look at it. Another is to uh, kind of mirror, I think, what traditional networking and sales prospect building looks like, which is if you were doing this IRL, you would approach things very, very differently than, you know, and still cold calling, cold outreach, this still exists. That's still a tool in the toolbox for for companies that have, you know, a very wide, let's say, set of prospects uh, or maybe even a very specific group of people that they're calling on to continue a relationship. But I think the reason they do it is because these channels exist. I mean, the fact that you can connect with anyone in the world by identifying them, by sending a connection request, a follow, whatever the, the version is for that platform, and then begin to, as a result, create content that educates them, that informs them, that entertains them for free is a no brainer. I think we're, we're kind of past the point of almost why the question is just how to make it work for each organization at this point. I think it'd be an interesting exercise for us. And just to help people listening to this, get a sense of what we're talking about in practical terms to like paint a 
you know, MVP, uh, MVP social selling program? Like, what does it look like in, in practical terms? You know, for me, if I'm sitting in the shoes of a, of a salesperson, I think it's about first identifying the prospects that you want to build relationships with that you ultimately want to you know sell something to and there's a way that, a bunch of ways that you can go about doing that and we can talk about that in, in more detail in a moment i think it's about finding ways in which you can be of use or be valuable to those individuals without the expectation that you're going to get anything in return that could be through amplifying their content that could be through connecting them with individuals you know maybe they're talking about a particular theme or a subject in their space you know you know there's another expert in the space that's touching on those subjects and you find a way to connect the two um, that could be sharing relevant content um, that either you've created yourself or the brand's created um, and then it's about making that once that kind of conversation has begun to happen within the within the social feed sending out that one-to-one connection request and moving that conversation into the private dms now at that point again to stress it's not saying okay well we've been connected here's what we sell and here's why you should be interested in it but instead how can you continue offering that value and, and being of use in the private dms you know through maybe asking questions or trying to get a sense of you know their, their, their pain points or their particular challenges and helping give them the answers or direct them into uh direct them to where they can get the answers and only when that customer has signaled some form of intent intent yes you know we have this challenge and we're looking for a way to solve it does it then seem appropriate and make sense to, to try and begin that sales process so it's quite simple um, when you say it like that is there anything that you'd add well, when we're trying to help it, the company, let's say the marketing team or whoever's going to be responsible for delivering training, consulting around a program like this, or maybe we're just working directly with you know, a, a sales customer-facing team, we break down the things that you can control into three buckets. There's the profile, kind of your hub, which is your chance to tell your story. There's so many things you can do to optimize that experience that we can get into. The second is the outreach, the targeted outreach, which is everything from your list building, right? And sales navigator to your uh, actual commenting you do to very specific accounts to continue to show up strategically in the feed. There's the actual connection building where you're sending one-to-one connection requests, let's say on LinkedIn or you're direct messaging them. And then there's the content. That's the third bucket. And the content strategy is everything we're used to usually as marketers about coming up with a ratio between what is content that informs, educates, makes people smarter, better at their jobs, content that just entertains, relates, makes, you know, shows your more personal side and content that helps build that community of product, right? That helps educate people about what your solution does and is a little bit more akin to the selling piece. And I don't know that there's magic ratios. I know someone uh, uh, that it's a common question asked is, is about what is the right ratio? And we can, I'd love to hear your take on that too. But I think the there's lots of rules of thumb when it comes to, let's say, you know, 80, 20 and 70, 30 that we can sort of go back and forth on. But I want to point out that those three 
those three buckets are to me the keys of getting started with social selling as a framework, your profile, your outreach and engagement, and your content. Because those are the three things that you can use as levers to ramp up, to level up, to to scale up. Mm. I think you were talking then about a question we've had come through from Mike McPeak, and I appreciate it, Mike, about the ratio of being helpful to pitching. Um, and you know, if you're talking to a salesperson, you're trying to train them up on on what what is the right balance, um, what that number looks like. Um, I don't think there is a magic number. I don't think there is a magic ratio necessarily, but always it's good practice to err on the side of being more helpful and valuable than it is to be in a place where you're trying to sell something because you know the main thing here is about developing that connection and if you have an optimized profile um, it's clear by looking at it exactly what it is you do the company you work for what pain points that you you can help solve um, or the services that you can provide you know a prospective customer is going to be you know they're smart right you know customers aren't, aren't dumb they will know uh, when it's time to, to, to come to you to help them try and solve solve their problem. Um, but yeah, err on the side of, of being more valuable than, than trying to sell. And I think the 80-20 rule, you know, for every five messages you send or every five conversations you have, I should say, with a prospective customer, um, if, uh, you know, four of them are about building that relationship, delivering value, being helpful, and the fifth one is hey, you know, we've just launched this new feature in our product that based on these conversations we've been having could be of interest to you. That's as good a place to start as any, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'll go ahead and take the other side just so we can think about the other perspective of, let's say, people whose livelihood depends on, you know, making deals happen. And I've seen this work too, for what it's worth. I'm, I think it gets a bad rep, but what about approaching your intent earlier on by coming out of the gate you know, some of the most, uh, it, it's not that difficult, let's say on LinkedIn, let's take LinkedIn as a, as a platform to connect with anyone, right? And usually, if your message is relevant, if your profile is relevant, you're going to get somewhere between 10 on the low end and 25 to 30% of people on the on the more standard or higher end to connect back. Then you have this golden opportunity to introduce yourself and now imagine if all of the questions you start asking them are just helpful, quote unquote, questions, but you're not really stating what your intent is, but they can clearly see you're an AE or you're a, you know, an SDR or whatever. It, it's not a genuine thing. I almost think it makes more sense to do the short than long approach, which is in the short term, state your intentions, ask if they have a problem like this, ask if they're, you know, almost pitch yourself right away, kind of be upfront about the pitch, but then afterwards maybe there's a non-response or maybe there's a not now um very rarely will it be like a block or anything after that then they're just in your funnel so now they already know what you do you were really clear on that and now as they're following you because by the way after you connect with someone you're much more likely to see their content for new connections that you just get you're significantly higher likelihood that the posts that show up afterwards will will be there for a period of time until you stop engaging with it. And now the rest of your content, let's say most of what you talk about on your own profile, that's maybe your 80 is another way to look at it, is your helpful, interesting, insightful takes on the industry, on your customer pain points, on things that you've seen work, on your own experience. Well, then you're both top of mind and they know what you do, what problem you solve. And it might be the best of both worlds. 
Yeah, I love that approach because you're right. I think, you know, being being a podcast host myself, when I get emails saying, you know, hey, Jason, I love B2B better. You know, I love the interview with most recent guest name insert here. And then it immediately goes into a pitch for a new prospective guest that clearly this person's running PR for. It seems really disingenuous, right? right? It's like, you know, I know you're trying to pitch something to me and you're trying to make it personal. It doesn't feel very good. So I, th- I think you're bang on the money there. And, and Mike, if... Uh, if you've got any follow-up questions on that, do do drop them in the comments. Um, we're going to try something a little bit fun now um, and do a little bit overrated, underrated. So Josh and I, right. uh, before we before we keep going on the social selling train, um, Josh and I came up with a bunch of things in the marketing world um, that we wanted to get each other's opinions on whether they're overrated and underrated. I think, Josh, what we should do is Maybe you um, give me three and we can talk about them 15, 20 seconds each. I'll give you three um, and then everyone will know, you know, uh, 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 Josh and Jason going to do another clubhouse prediction. Um, You know, watch this space. So why don't you start with your three? Okay. Well, if that's the case, I feel like we have to start with the big one, which is using AI for copywriting. So if you're a salesperson, social selling, using AI to sort of augment that. I've been using ChatGPT a lot over the last week or so for a bunch of different things, and it blows me away. It, 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 it is, I wouldn't say jobs are at risk necessarily right now from being uh, replaced with, with AI, copywriters, you know, things like that. But as an idea generation or a starting, as, as, a, as a tool to get to a starting point on, you know, what, what your sales message should look like, what your copy should read like, you know, what your social post should sound like. Uh, yeah, I think it is, I mean, underrated, I guess would be the right answer there. Okay. I'll agree for the moment right now, because it's still new enough that it's not sort of as mainstream in the, in the, the playbook of every single person. But, uh, I think it's on the verge of being fairly rated because it's effective, but you know, eventually everyone will be using it. So that's one. Um, all right, let me, let's pass it off to you. Then I'll pass it back to me. Dark social. I'm going to, that's an interesting, dark social, I think as a concept, I would say it's, it's in the, the, from a hype cycle, it's a little bit overrated from a, a concept. It's, it's probably fairly rated. And I say that because it's in a way, not a, a new concept, but I would say it's been popularized. The idea that you know, much of the organic social and um, activities that we do in the world of social media that can't be tracked by attribution platforms like would would be important. I think we've kind of always known that, but it's always been. But, you know, what does the data tell us? And I think as a result, the the idea that it's a new thing being popularized, I think if you look up dark social, that term, I've been you know, more or less aware of the concept of dark social, which used to really be focused on DMs and messaging platforms for a decade plus. But uh, it is sort of fairly rated in terms of its its value, I would say. Um, That's my that's my roundabout answer. What do you got? I'm with you. I think, you know, when we're talking about when we're talking about dark social, we're not talking about anything new necessarily i think as a mechanism in which to persuade leadership teams to invest in more brand related um 
uh, activities and, and channels um, and not constantly have to chase as marketers direct, immediate, attributable ROI on every single dollar spent. Um, that can only be a good thing. But I think the term dark social and the kind of uh, fury uh, it ignites on platforms like LinkedIn with B2B marketers arguing over definitions of things. Um, yeah, overrated in that sense, but fairly rated as a concept, totally. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Let's uh, do one more and then we'll move into the next social selling question. All right. What about resharing company posts as a, as a salesperson? So from the LinkedIn company official page. I think that if I were building out a marketing function from scratch within a B2B company, um, the company page would be considered a, and, and this is not a term I, I used or coined, uh, it's Dave Gerhardt, I'm stealing it from, a news ticker. Um, I think it is a, a place where if there are updates related to the company, new executive hires, new product launches, you know, press release type material. That's where that content goes. And then resharing that content as, a, as an individual, you know, makes, makes total sense. Um, I would always as a salesperson or a marketer or any employee um, resharing that content, try and provide my own spin um, on that piece of content um, because it gives you an opportunity to provide some perspective and you know build up your uh, your authority and your thought leadership and 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 what have you on the platform. Um, but if that's the but I think that needs to be augmented by your own original content creation um, on on social media. I think if the only thing you're doing on LinkedIn or Twitter or what have you is reposting, resharing company news updates um, and it's nothing else, I mean, are you really driving much value there for anybody other than just a feeling that? you know, you're being active on social media. Bingo. Yeah, I've, I have the same perspective, same take on that. I, I'd say as a result, probably overrated in how it's used. And this also comes from the kind of person who recommends it as part of the, the playbook of every organization's content strategy is, hey, we need to get our team to, to share this selectively or strategically. It's probably still overrated because it becomes too much of a a crutch. It becomes people's main source of sharing. Um, it gets fed into employee advocacy tools. Everyone's sharing the same thing. We know that that doesn't work. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick overrated on that. Mm. Cool. All right. Back to social selling. Um, so having worked in B2B myself for the last, you know, 10, 12 years, um, and predominantly working for organizations, um, enterprise organizations or organizations in traditional spaces, you know, not necessarily, you know, SaaS, like, like high volume, low price point SaaS products. Um, I think the idea of leveraging social media to try and drive sales um, has been taken a little bit longer to, to come by um, or to be won over within the organization. And one of the main, I guess, uh, res pieces of resistance from executive teams, from sales teams is we just don't know if our clients are using social media in that way, because when we go on their profiles, they're not publishing anything. Um, so I guess the question is, how can you start going about identifying the right channel where your buyers are spending time? And indeed, if they are spending time on those channels. The simplest answer is to ask. The more complex answer is to is to check for yourself to identify to to use social listening to use all the audience research tools that are available to us but i feel like it starts with a 
a conversation and the the sales team, usually the customer success team too, are the, are the people that get to work closest with customers to understand what they actually use and why. And I feel like if they don't have that answer already, then that almost shows a misunderstanding of the customer or a lack of depth of understanding of the customer and how they prefer information. Now, to some extent, I, I will say there's there's a trickiness to this, which is I when I respond to this, I always say the answer is is everywhere because, you know, if, if you I don't like general, you know, uh, tr- truisms or, or general answers that say, for instance, our audience isn't on here. I, I guarantee you five of your 500 customers are very active there. Reddit, uh, you know, Pinterest even, who knows? But they might use it for a personal reason or it might be different. So to some extent, if you're trying to focus on the majority platforms, uh, then that starts with a customer question. You can, of course, use, you know, we could back into some more like reverse engineering type processes. Uh, We like to first, let's say on research platforms like like twitter anywhere you can use an advanced search linkedin to you can search by the keyword and start to see who is in that conversation and start to see what are the more niche sort of hashtags they use um, we did this process recently uh, that really just started with googling <laughs> uh, for you know our clients various category terms plus discord and our clients various category terms plus slack and finding a bunch of these really niche private communities where the conversation was much more active and where we were getting much more interesting answers so for instance in like the electrical contracting world uh where do people talk about these products well you can find them on tiktok you can find them on twitter a little bit but in these private communities there's a more honest you know view of let's say talking about specific brands and that would not have been possible without just old-fashioned research. Mm. I, I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think putting in the the elbow grease to go out there and like picking a hundred prospects and sitting down for an afternoon or for a day um, and actually searching for them on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and other platforms like you described um, is. Is, is definitely a good way of going about it. I think also on platforms like TikTok, if you have their numbers in your phone, um, you can actually, you know, I get recommendations every time I go on TikTok of people who I have in my phone book um, that are on the platform. Um, so that's another way that you could potentially look at it. And then kind of look at who they follow. That's a really important piece of this because the truth is the vast majority of social media users are lurkers. They just consume mm. content, right? They use it for the media part, not the social part. And to that extent, you you really have to see, let's say, as much as possible what they're, you know, publicly followed or, you know, interested things are. That, that's a that's why I prefer asking people and or having them show me themselves if we get that opportunity because it allows a, a richer answer. But yeah, mm-hmm. starting with just going through manually looking for those people and seeing who they where they are and who they follow um to the extent that you'll get an answer i think that's a that's a really good start yeah and i mean asking people can and should be done one-to-one right like it should be those frontline staff salespeople, customer success people whoever 
marketers, I guess, asking customers, where do you spend your time online? What social networks are you are you a part of professionally and I guess personally? But it can also be done at scale. Like if you run, like, you know, the, com- the company I've worked for in the past, you know, every year we would run like MPS style surveys with customers and marketing would always be afforded the opportunity to take one question out of the 20. And we would always ask, you know, which other than like trade media, where are you learning about the industry? You know, where are you keeping up to date with with trends and, and the news in our space? And that would be a really great way of starting to build up a bit of a data set on which social platforms are of importance to to our customers. Um, I think another way you can do it is um, self-reported attribution. You know, I think, uh, which I know can get certain people <laughs> up <laughs> if you spend any time on, on LinkedIn B2B marketing circles. But um, if, you, if you've got a form that's gating a piece of content, uh, adding an extra field, which asks the question, you know, where did you first hear about us? Or... Um, what social networks are you using on a day-to-day basis? You know, done strategically, those can be also really good opportunities to start getting a sense of uh, where where buyers are spending their time. Yeah, I think we have to talk about what to do with that information next because, you know, another underrated one is to, you know, create a, a TikTok account and then just start kind of swiping only on or watching only things in your industry or, you know, that start to be personalized to the persona you're trying to build. Like you can start to really like, create that customized for your for you page you can do the same thing for youtube um but the next question is like great now we're starting to see stuff that our customers might be seeing but like what what are we asking them to do as sales professionals to create their own content what are we what as marketers are we asking our salespeople to do to create their own content yeah what is worth doing yeah I think this is a really important part to play, you know, for marketers within B2B organizations because, you know, social selling as a concept, yes, it is something that is executed by a sales team, but marketers very much have a role to play in helping set up their their BDRs, their AEs to be successful on social media. Um, Things that I've seen success with in the past is running workshops um, for select salespeople. Because I think the important thing here is that, you know, depending on the kind of business that you operate in, there may be a real resistance to being active on social media because people are just, you know, they've been in the organization for 20, 30, 40 years. They're comfortable with the status quo. They've got their little black book of contacts. They're not going to do anything different because why would they? Um, But cherry picking the, you know, 5, 10, 15 individuals who are already showing directly, indirectly, a uh, eagerness to be active on social media, bringing them into room and running workshops around what is good social media etiquette, how can we go about optimizing our profile, um, you know, running uh, workshops on content messaging, you know, how does it come down from, uh, you know, what marketing primary and secondary messages have we developed and how can these be uh, manifested, I guess, in, through social media content um, and really being a pillar of support for those those individuals is, is a great way for marketers to, uh, to to get involved and help BDRs be more effective on, on social. Yeah, another way we've positioned the content strategy part of it when training or whatnot is often it's easier to, to describe it as thought leadership. I think that has a you know, people have different reactions to that term, but especially if you're talking about, if you're talking to and training organizations that 
the people in this role or that are benefiting from this training are not necessarily sales only, but they're selling the company, the solutions, the brand. They're making high level and even executive level connections. Well, thought leadership as a term tends to resonate even better. And for those things, I, I feel like there there is the company line right on certain things that we really want people to understand. But you can't undervalue just having a point of view. Um, another thing that I found to be really useful is people tend to either communicate better through video, like just give them something to talk about and let them talk on camera or through text. It's easier for them. You give them a prompt. They'd rather just write it out or through audio. Just let me write a voice memo back to you. But to some degree, I think one of the ways to pilot this is to is to kind of figure out how to, that content capture session is going to work. And when we're doing that thought leadership type uh, work, we try as much as possible to figure out how to bake in a time period for someone's schedule where regardless of what they're going to be making, we can prompt them specific questions that they can then give really opinionated answers to, you know, the stronger, the better. And then either find a way to transcribe for them to then write on their own, uh, or it's just space for them to sort of think about it. Or if we're doing it for them, we're literally taking that content and turning it into sound bites, turning it into, you know, done for you copy. I think one of the most important things is just making sure that you make your colleagues aware that you are there as a marketing function to support them, right? Because uh, I think there is, with certain individuals, uh, a general eagerness to be out there on social media and, and kind of running these plays that we're talking about, but they're just a bit scared for whatever reason. Maybe they've never done it before in any kind of structured way. Maybe they're worried that they're going to say something that counteracts you know whatever the company line is which by the way isn't necessarily a bad thing um it you know it's uh it could be you know just a technical uh fear you know how do we actually post a video to 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 linkedin um or an operational one how do we in, you know have the capacity to go out there and create the content as you described so um you know, show, showing that you're there to support them and that their success is your success um, is a really imp important part of of the puzzle. Um, I'm curious, and actually, we you know we at a company I worked for once, you know, we ran an experiment similar to this, a social selling campaign, where you know you mentioned video there a moment ago. We identified three individuals within the organization who. Um, we're already somewhat active on social media, but weren't doing it in any kind of structured way. We sat them down for 15 minutes each. We recorded them talking about trends in the space. Um, and we as a marketing team then went away and cut those together into little social clips. We prepared a first draft of the copy, which we then asked the salespeople to kind of, you know, fine tune and augment with their, with their own opinions. And then we helped them publish that content over the course of a month. And we measured it against a benchmark of, you know, similar content being published on the brand channel. Um, and what the level of engagement looked like across across the nice. two campaigns. And what we found was that these three individuals who, despite having 20% of the collective audience size, as we did on the brand account, generated 200% more engagement um, on, on similar content that was being shared on the brand account. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that really cemented to me the kind of power of helping salespeople 
develop themselves as thought leaders and by extension you know the connection requests that they uh that they were sending out to prospective clients over the course of that campaign who were liking and engaging with the content they were publishing was much higher than just sending out a cold connection request um so yeah a, a great way there of showing how marketing and sales can come together to make a social selling campaign a success love it yeah that's a that's an awesome case study We've had a question here from Louise, I think, um, about uh, TikTok and its evolution in B2B. And I know that was one of our underrated, overrated um, uh, topics for today. Uh, We've spoken about this before, I'm sure, Josh, but for everyone's benefit, tell me, what do you think? Future of TikTok in B2B? Honestly, right now, underrated is how I would describe it. It's, you know, you're not new to the game. You know, even asking that question, I, I would say, if you um, spend time as a user, you, you'll start to realize that the content already exists. It's already there. Um, it has been for, for years even. The experience of being a TikTok user is so personalized that you know it, it finds you, so to speak. So what does that mean as the content creator? It means all you really have to do is share your strong point of view to educate people in the same way you would. But in a in a in a more talking head type format is kind of the easiest way to get started is straight up just selfie video answering questions or talking about your experience telling a story that helps get the point across you can kind of layer on the more native uh, styles and formats afterwards but i think it kind of starts with just kind of giving your point of view um it works really, really well. So TikTok for B2B, yeah, it's a tremendously uh, powerful sort of platform to find your your customers. Is it right for everyone? I mean, I've seen robotics companies like crush it there. I've seen, you know, certainly people talking about every sector of SaaS. Um, it, it, it can work. I think the better way to look at it maybe is use that as your source content. Even if you don't go quote unquote viral there, that content, it trains you to think about what's entertaining in a, you know, a snackable way where there's no distractions. And then you can port that content over to other channels. So that content usually still does pretty well on LinkedIn, of course, does well on the other similar native video vertical platforms like, like Instagram reels. But I I would look at it as, almost like starting if you're going to do TikTok seriously or you would almost start there create content for that platform and then port it over to other places i think what you said there is really important about it not just being a platform for kind of like SaaS technology companies um dare i say kind of younger more digitally savvy organizations uh, which i think a lot of people would maybe when they think about TikTok and b2b naturally uh, go to um there's a fantastic organization uh who i interviewed on the podcast a couple of months ago um called vilpe and they are a finnish um uh, manufacturer of roofing materials and roof parts um and have real no have no real business being on tiktok to be totally honest um and they had a new CEO come in a few years ago um, who helpfully had done a master's on going viral on social media and saw an opportunity 
you know, we've been going to the same trade show for the last 10 years. We can only qualify like one actual opportunity from doing that against a 500,000 euro spend. What is trying to create some content on TikTok going to cost us? And last time I checked, which was about a week ago, they were a hair's breadth away from hitting 100,000 followers on, on the platform. And the content they're sharing are interviews with their employees. They've got some really interesting characters working at Vilpe. Um, they share product-related videos. How do they manufacture these roofing parts? Um, they do, um, you know, they've got quite a strong uh, e-sport culture within the organization. So they do some gaming content. But it's and probably numbers- all people inside of the organization, like, talking, right? That, that's the... Yeah, exactly. There, is they are just featuring people and the personalities of that or of that company talking that that's it right you're just getting a look behind the scenes is is probably the most of it that's it right and i think you know the natural question is how much of this is contributing to pipeline into revenue i mean they have very long sales cycles in their industry um so at the moment what they told me was that it's still a bit too early to tell but what they can say with confidence is they've never had more resumes being submitted for jobs um, at the organization, people wanting to move to Northern Finland um, and, and go and work for this organization. So from that sense, it's been a wild success. Yeah, word of mouth is a powerful thing. I, I'm sure their competitors take notice. I'm sure their customers take notice, even if they're not being recommended their content. There, it, still, the story that sometimes is being told is is one that's really powerful. Um, I think we we have a good question we should try to stumble through an answer on that I see about social selling if you could only choose one. Let's let's throw that one up. I'm going to try and like put this on the screen. I've never used this before. Let's do it. Okay. Ooh, look at that. Louise, if you could choose one for social selling, content creation, direct messaging, community engagement, commenting. Really good question. Uh, Josh, do you want to take a first stab at this? Or do you want to <laughs> Not really. I think I would, I, I would <laughs> reframe it as choose two. And Choosing one is so hard. I, I I think you completely nailed in in the most pure way, kind of the, the three elements of uh, a successful uh, outreach and content strategy, which is for social selling, which is thinking about how you communicate uh, to the mass, you know, one to many. That's content creation, direct messaging, which is the one to one, and then you put a really interesting one here that I'm going to pick. So I would say if I had to pick two, it would be the community engagement, commenting, and direct messaging. And here's why. I think it's very difficult to come up with quality original content that makes a, generates significant reach and engagement for the average person. But I think we all know how to reply to things. And I like to say that the comment is the content. We've seen tremendous success with some of our clients just managing not just the outbound posts from their company page, but actually using their brand profile to respond to trending content. And that content drives tens of thousands of profile view page views um, on its own. The community engagement, if this is a LinkedIn environment that we're talking about, if you can just focus on finding trending already viral posts and providing a you know, a, a insightful, clever, smart response back that ends up gaining visibility on the actual post and then connecting with those people and direct messaging them, you know, as you've built up your profile. I, I actually would choose those two in 2023. What do you think? 
think I'm with you. I mean, it is for someone not used to the idea of creating content consistently because it's hard, you know, like as you said, it is it and it takes up time, time that arguably, you know, would be would be otherwise spent directly reaching out to prospective customers, you know, via email, via phone, at events, whatever. Um, it does take commitment, you know, and for someone easing into the idea of social selling, you know, you use the word earlier, Josh, prompts, like every every piece of content you see on, on a platform like LinkedIn, every reply that you see from your prospective customers, from influencers in your space is a potential prompt that you can use to uh, f- form and share an opinion. Um, and there's also the amplification piece, you know, it's if you only have 200 connection requests on LinkedIn and you're not a creator, you don't have any followers, just publishing content, there's a, I mean, you'll know the algorithm better than me. I would imagine the kind of potential reach of that content is fairly limited versus if you're replying to an influence in your space that's going viral and, you know, you can get a, a good comment that's getting a lot of engagement. It's how, that's how you're going to expand your audience. That's how you're going to get in front of new eyeballs. Um, so, yeah, I think... But that you know that that needs to be followed up with the direct messaging piece because that's what turns this from a you know just pure kind of social media thought leadership play to a social selling strategy because we've got to remember here the ultimate goal as long as it takes is to try and try and win business. Um, yeah, this. So, I think that's the yeah. magic combination. If you are the the sales professional, if it's your company or more of the executive, you know they're not really going routing through you then content creation and you know sort of the pairing of that with the community engagement is like the recipe in 2022 2023 for driving sub- substantial reach um they work really well together but if you actually need to build that personal relationship like that matters to your livelihood then you need to throw the direct messaging in and one without the other is just missing everything so that was a gr- interesting question really great question thanks louise Cool. Um, any, as we kind of look to wrap up this this conversation, which I hope has been useful for everyone, and we've got a few more minutes. So, if anyone's got any additional questions, do drop them in the chat, and Josh and I will try and get to them before we before we finish up. But for someone listening to this, Josh, kind of going away and thinking, okay, I want to give this social selling and a concept in a, a, a go as we look into twenty twenty three planning. Where where should they start? Do you have any kind of frameworks that someone can take away and start using today? Yeah, I think first and foremost, if you're building the the programming, you're training people, and you've done that work, as you've talked about, to select your group of people who are your champions, like the people that are most willing to, because frankly, for the most part, it's really difficult to convince people internally to actually make them interested in social media if they're not, because they do have to spend time doing it. But if they've already committed to that, they're interested, then I think those those three elements are the things that I would get really good at um, teaching people how to do, you know, optimizing your profiles on these platforms and really not needing to be everywhere, but be one place to start working on the targeted outreach and engagement, which is both the community engagement on other people's posts. Let's say your target accounts posts, for instance, and then the content creation, figuring out what are your three sort of pillar sort of topics you're going to talk about that are some combination of useful, interesting, helpful, uh, funny, you know, those would be ideal. So 
I'll I'll add one piece because that's my three part framework that usually gets people started and has a lot to work off of. But there is a really big for for most marketers that aren't involved in this at all, but they are involved in things like the company, uh, let's say that their brand and demand programs. There is a, a strong relationship between that you could start to link as one of these starting points between, let's say, your paid social program and your individual sales social selling program that if you can make that connection, it's really powerful. If you're already targeting a group of companies, let's say if you can work together to agree on that account based marketing list or that uh, group of specific customer profiles you want to go after and you are advertising to them already or you're intending to as part of a campaign then that ends up being like a really, really powerful place to start with empowering some of your sales team members to, in unison with that, run some of these campaigns at the same time. That one-to-one outreach campaign, that uh, creating content after connecting with those individuals. Then they're seeing your brand, both from a personal level, the sales level, and from these one-to-many messaging which is ideally, you know, useful content and, you know, gated resources or whatever your program includes. So I think like there is a combination of paid social, we're able to reach everyone quickly in that buyer group. But then the sales people are connecting one to one and running content programs to those same individuals. I think that's where you might see the biggest lift. And it's like the easiest thing to align on, because it's not just you do this, and it helps us. It's we're going after the same people. So we'll be able to see the net impact of it faster. So that might be yeah. one place to start. What do you think? No, I think I think that's really interesting um, and a great way of getting you know two teams that could be operating in silos otherwise to join forces and, and work on a work on a campaign together. Um, the other thing I'd add, I think, is you know whenever I like whenever I run these kind of experiments, and I've always been working in organizations that don't really have. A well-established marketing function per se you know maybe you are just a solo marketer maybe you work in a small team and the initiative is really driven by you to try out new things um i always like to measure these these campaigns against some sort of baseline um so for social selling for example what i'd be looking to do is if you know we have salespeople who are going out there and just trying to cold connect with individuals over the course of you know a month or so you know, what does that number look like in terms of acceptance rate? How many actual conversations or connections are made over that period just using that technique versus, you know, what is the percentage of uh, successful uh, acceptance rates and on, uh, further conversations with people who are adopting the kind of framework that you shared there, which is about, you know, identifying the right prospects, uh, providing value, you know, be, being of use, being of help. And just comparing over a month to six week period, you know, what is the what is the difference in percentage around successful acceptance rate and uh, uh, ongoing conversations with those prospective customers? Um, when I've done that kind of thing, working, you know, with the organizations I've worked with over the last 10 years, when you do put in that effort initially, you may actually only connect with 50%, 40% of the total number of people that otherwise you would be cold connecting with. But the actual engagement rate, the acceptance rate, can be multiples higher 
because you've done you've gone in and you've put in that effort so that's the other thing i'd say is like with any experiment you need a you need a baseline um you need a benchmark to measure again so fact that in uh, as you think about your social selling strategy in 2023 dig it dig it so i think we're going to finish up there unless there's any more questions um josh why don't you tell us uh when people can learn more about you and sculpt and, and anything that you want to plug yeah no plugs today thanks for having me on i'm I'm just JH crack everywhere and I don't have uh, wherever you spend time. I'm probably there too. Fantastic. Um, so this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for helping me get the first episode of breaking B to be off the ground. I wouldn't have done it with anybody else. Um, if oh yeah, go you... check out B2B better dot co dot UK. Is that right? Go. Uh, I haven't actually set up the website yet. That's going to be done in, in early 2023. So if you want to follow me, you can get me Jason R. Bradwell on LinkedIn, Twitter for how much longer, who knows. Um, but you can also sign up to my newsletter, b2bbyte.substack.com, um, which there's a link on my profile. And be sure if you enjoyed this to connect with Josh and I. You know, We'd love to keep the conversation going in the DMs. Um, so thanks very much, everyone, and see you next time. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you found it useful, please give me a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. It means a lot to a growing show like mine. Also, why not sign up to my newsletter, The B2B Byte, where I share actionable frameworks and strategies on how to market your B2B business. And if you need support building, running, or refining your B2B marketing approach, hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter to set up a free 30-minute diagnosis call to review your strategy and get some personalized advice. All links in the description of this episode. See you next time.